0: Even turn over to the book of Jeremiah, please. Jeremiah, chapter number 17. Jeremiah chapter number 17. I'm well aware of the time, and I won't be long tonight, but I do want to, with God's help, just uh, deal with a, uh, a subject that I believe is important for us to be giving thought to before revival. I have, I have preached many revivals in my life. Uh, for churches. They bring me in to preach. And um, you can tell many times when you get there if the pastor helped prepare the field for the the seed. And it's always a blessing when they do. Brother Sasser, you know as well as I do, you've gone into churches to preach and it's almost like it was an afterthought. And I, I don't like to do that for my sake, for my family's sake, for our church's sake. Definitely don't want to do that for the sake of the visiting preacher that will be coming in and preaching the messages upon its heart. I want us to be ready and attentive and receptive and uh, expecting with anticipation, whatever it is, that God has for us. And I feel like in order to do that, this subject tonight is important. And so if you would stand with me, please. I'm just going to read the first few verses of the chapter, and then we're going to settle in on verse number 10, Lord willing. Verse number one, the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. And with the point of a diamond, it is graven upon the table of their heart and upon the horns of your altars, whilst their children remember their altars and their groves by the green trees upon the high hills, O my mountain in the field, I will give thy substance and all thy treasures to the spoil and thy high places for sin throughout all thy borders. And thou, even thyself, shalt discontinue from thine heritage that I gave thee. And I will cause thee to serve thine enemies in the land which thou knowest not. For ye have kindled a fire in mine anger, which shall burn forever. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord, for he shall be like the health in the desert, heat in the desert rather, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, that spread out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but a leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, and neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his doings and according to the fruit of his doings. Tonight, with God's help, we just kind of want to focus on that statement in verse number 10, where God said, search the heart. Father, we ask you now, if you would, to bless the word of God. I pray that you would knit our hearts together in unity towards Or the common goal of revival in the next few days as we prepare, Lord, for the man of God to come and to preach and deliver to us the burden of his heart. May we be receptive and ready for whatever it is you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated. I almost didn't give an outline tonight. I just wanted to share some verses that I've been meditating on, some verses that I've been thinking about. But whenever I start putting them together, I can't help but just alliterate it and put together an outline. But I don't want you to focus on the outline tonight as much as just the the idea that we are going to be dealing with. And I just want to give you three simple points tonight. The first thing that I want you to notice is the significance of the heart. The significance of the heart, just in the first 10 verses of this chapter that we have read this evening, God dealt several times, mentioned The heart, he talked about the sin being written with a pen of iron in verse number one. A strong, uh, a strong and and unerasable, I guess, the the point of a diamond. It's written, it's etched. It is a a permanent message. And uh, he's talking about it graven upon the table of their heart. And then in verse number five, he said, Blessed, or cursed be, The man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Again, in verse number 9 and verse number 10, we find references to the heart. I just want to say tonight that with revival services right around the corner, we all need to be concerned about the condition of our hearts, the true state. Of our hearts. Just last week, I preached a message out of Joel chapter 2, verse number 13 on Rend Your Hearts and Not Your Garments. And we talked about the difference in in outward displays of repentance and, and putting on a show. And, and, and things that we do many times to try and impress people with our sincerity and with our consecration. God said, I'm tired of your your outward displays. I'm tired of your your, your, uh, your mouth saying one thing and your life doing something else. Stop rending your garments and rend your heart, okay? And we preached that just last week, I believe it was. And so I think God's been kind of giving us these messages to just kind of prepare us for the upcoming series of messages. And I have no idea what Brother uh, um, Ingram is going to preach. He's preached revival here a couple of times, and so we're familiar with him. We're familiar with his ministry. We're familiar with his heart. He was an evangelist for, um, I think, 15, 16, 17 years before he became a pastor, made that adjustment to pastoring, but he has a heart for revival in this country, and I can assure you that the messages that he will preach will deal with matters of the heart. I can also assure you from experience that his messages will build, each one will build on the previous night's message. so if you miss a week, if you miss a service, uh, you, may, you may miss a lot. But the point that I want to point out tonight is this, is that our hearts is what we are going to be looking at, is what we're going to be dealing with. The heart of the believer is extremely important. In Proverbs chapter four, verse number 23, the Bible says, keep thy heart, with all diligence. That's Proverbs 4.23. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. The way our heart is, the state of our heart, the condition of our heart, the spiritual condition of our heart will dictate the life that we live. It will dictate our testimony. It will dictate our thought life. It will dictate our words. It will dictate our actions. Our heart is what we're going to be focusing on. And the heart is significant. A lot of people are so concerned with the outward displays of consecration and separation. Listen, nobody believes in separation more than I do. Nobody believes in sanctification more than I do. Nobody believes in coming out from among them, being separate, saith the Lord. I practice that. I live that. I preach that. We try to exemplify that. But we have to be careful that we don't clean the outside of the glass and the cup and leave the inside full of excess and sin. Jesus condemned the Pharisees for getting that outward part right and looking right and fitting that part, impressing people, but the inside, he said, they're whitened sepulchers full of dead men's bones. Jesus placed an enormous amount of significance on the heart. and We are this week going to focus on our heart, and I've said this all along. If your heart gets right, if your heart gets truly right with God, everything else will fall into place. Because that is what we need to be focusing on. In Matthew chapter 15, verse number eight, Jesus said, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It is possible to stand up in an independent Baptist church with a heart full of unconfessed sin and, and, and a prayer life that stinks and a relationship with God that is, that is cold and indifferent and sing to the top of your lungs, oh, how I love Jesus. That's the sad reality. It is possible to stand up and sing just as I am without one plea. It is easy to stand up and sing, search me, oh God, and know my heart and then go home and live a life of secret sin. So We need to focus on the heart. We see the significance of the heart. A whole lot more we can say about that. But number two, I want you to notice the state of the heart in our text. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse number 9, God gives us a pretty nasty uh, bill of health. Can I say it? A bill of health. Look at what he says in verse number 9. Three things I notice about verse number 9, about the state of our heart. Number one, the heart is unreliable. Our hearts are unreliable. Look at what he says. The heart is deceitful. If he had stopped right there, we would have reason to be alarmed. We would have reason to be concerned. But he goes on. The heart is deceitful above all things. Mine and your heart is more deceitful than the politicians. It's more deceitful than the mainstream media. Well, we could all get really excited about talking about the deceitfulness of the mainstream media. And the brother alluded to the fact that what we're hearing in the news is not what's going on, which you've heard me say that a hundred times. If the headlines are blaring it, it's probably not true. If the mainstream media is in sync and they're parroting the same talking points, mark it down. That's not what's happening. But guess what is more deceitful than the mainstream media? Guess what's more deceitful than the White House spokeswoman that stands up every day? Boy, you're talking about a tough job. Ain't you glad you ain't got that woman's job? Yeah. Right. To try to put a positive spin on an epic, chaotic failure of a presidency. But we could just go on and on. We're talking about something more deceitful than the politicians and the, and the mainstream media. And we're talking about something more deceitful. We're talking about our heart is deceitful above all things. Mine and your heart is extremely unreliable. And yet, how many times do people make major decisions following their heart? Following their heart. And we say things like, well, if I know my heart, preacher, stop right there. <laughs> In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse number 16, the Bible says, take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. They were following their heart. Come on, y'all. The heart is unreliable. Secondly, the heart is ungodly. He says in verse nine, the heart is deceitful above all things. And if that wasn't bad enough, he says, and desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. I looked it up. I love looking up words. You say, I know what desperate means. I know what wicked means. Yeah, but I look it up. The desperately wicked is two English words for one Hebrew word, which is the word anesh, which means to be weak, to be sick, to be frail, to be woeful, and it even goes so far as to say incurable. Which is why God has to give us a new heart. Desperately wicked Nothing positive to say about the heart of man. Almost makes you not want to celebrate Valentine's Day anymore, don't it? With all the little uh, little pink hearts and red hearts that we cut out of construction paper, kids. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. I began to just do a little bit of reading about the heart of man and I was fascinated by the fact that God decided to flood the world in Genesis chapter number six because, stay with me now, in Genesis six, five, God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So God flooded the world, destroyed humanity with the exception of Noah and his family and two of every animal that was on the ark except for the offerings when there were seven of those. And after the waters receded and the ark was settled and Noah and and his family came off of the ark, here's what God said in Genesis 8, verse 21. The Lord smelled a sweet savor and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. But then he says, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. I'm not going to do this again, but it's not going to change the heart of man. I'm not going to flood the world again. I'm not going to destroy mankind again. But man's heart is not only evil continually, but it's evil and wicked from his youth. That's not going to change. The flood didn't change the depraved heart of man. Is everybody still with me? So we see the heart is unreliable. We're talking about the heart is ungodly. And number three, the heart is unknown. He says, Who can know it? Who can know it? That's a rhetorical question. We can't know it. That's what he's saying. We can't know it. It can't be known. One of the most common mistakes, I'm going somewhere with this, one of the most common mistakes going into a revival meeting is the group of church members that thinking they don't need a revival. Well, I'm glad we're having a revival this week because I sure have picked out a few people in church that sure could use a revival, but praise the Lord, I'm 100% with God. I doubt that very seriously. Thinking that there's no area in your life where God can improve something, we need to be open to the fact That we cannot know our heart, therefore we cannot know what our heart holds. And if you're sitting here tonight going into a revival with the preconceived idea that you're 100% okay, that's just another manifestation of the deceitfulness of the heart. Preacher, I got right with God last week. I hear you. I took a shower this morning too, but I'm going to take another one before I go to bed. I'm gonna tell you something. Getting right with God is a full-time job. Amen. And it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. We'll take our little dog and we'll get our little dog, we'll take it up there to the to the groomer and get his hair cut and, and get him all shampooed, and they'll send a picture of us with him sitting up there posing with this little dumb bow tie on. And it's so cute and he comes in and he's just so happy and he's just wagging his tail and he smells like baby powder and he smells so good. Then he goes over to the back door. That means he's got to use the bathroom. He goes. And we go over to open the glass door and we let him go out and he comes back in. You know what he smells like? A dog. (laughs) Smells like a dog. What he smells like. He didn't smell like a dog when he went out but five minutes later after just getting the bath he smells like a dog. And we've got Christians that think that they can hobnob, rub shoulders, delve into stuff, play around on the internet, watch stuff on Netflix, and, 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 and hang around people and do stuff, and then a week after week after week, they don't never need a bath. That's your heart talking, and you can't believe it, all right? Amen. Number three, we notice the searching of the heart. The searching of the heart. After he says in verse number nine, the heart is deceitful above all things, And desperately wicked, who can know it? Then in verse number 10, he says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I search the heart. One of the keys to experiencing a work of God in our heart is to allow God to do what he does. Three things I want to give you quickly. I want you to notice the person that is searching. It is important for you and I to understand that God needs to be the one doing the searching of our heart. Not us. (laughs) Come on now, y'all. I mean, the heart's deceitful. Who can know it? He said, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins. David said it like this in Psalm 139 and verse number 23 and verse number 24. David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. See, we cannot search our heart because we don't know what we're looking for. Let me go a step further. You say, well, I do know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for any kind of sin. Yeah, but mine and your definition of sin is different from God's. See, when we think about sin, we think about adultery and murder and homosexuality. You know, when God talks about, when, when God sees sin, you know what He's talking about? Missing the mark. Yeah. Because that's what the word means. Missing the mark. Huh? And see, we're okay with it not being 100% as long as it's close. Every deer season, I go out and practice with my bow and arrow because I need it. Now, I'm a dead shot with a rifle, but bows and arrows little bit different story okay so I got a big old target and I'll set that thing up and I'll get my bow out and I will shoot at that target and that's pretty big but it's got these little spots and little dots on there and I say I'm going for that dot right there 30 yards 40 yards and I shoot and I don't hit the dot I hit a space about the size of a plate. And I always say this, that's a dead deer right there. (laughs) If that was a deer, he'd be dead. Yeah, but I missed the, the target. My philosophy is it's close enough. That's where I'm going with this. It's close enough. And I'll do that for about 30 minutes and then I'll pack it up in my truck and go back home and I'll say, all right, I'm ready to go deer hunting. I do that every year. I'm okay not hitting the bullseye. You say, Preacher, how's that working out for you? I hadn't killed a deer in nine years. That's how it's working out for me. A deer could walk in front of me with a rack that big and go and go home and eat supper with his wife. Because I'm okay missing the mark as long as I'm close. How many of us are like that with God? Well, I gave it some effort. It's close enough for government work. We used to say that in construction. Looks good for my house. We lived an hour down the road. It looks good for my house. Nail it. <laughs> or one of my guys working for me said, they can caulk it. That's, that's what you don't say when you're a trim carpenter. And you're putting all these nice joints and all these 45s in the crown mold, and you got a gap up here big enough to throw a cat through, and the guy says, Nail it, you can caulk it. No, no, get it right. Why can't we be like that with our walk with God? Lord, I want you to search my heart, and I want you to tell me what's wrong so we can fix it. Amen. Verse uh, number two, not only do we see the person, but we see the perspective of the searching. Here's what Romans 8 says. Listen, this is Romans chapter number eight, verse 26 to 27. It says, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Watch this. This is Romans 8, 27. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit? See, God's gonna do a much more thorough job of searching our heart because He knows the mind of the Spirit. Here's the problem with us it is hard to know the mind of the Spirit if you're not Spirit filled. So we go into this hard exam, doing it ourselves, backslid, cold, indifferent, unconfessed sin. We're walking in the flesh. So obviously, we're going to walk through there and say, oh, that looks fine. God says, no, 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 no. I know the mind of the Spirit. Let's go back and let's do this again. There's a lot of talk today about standards. Everybody just gets real nervous when you start talking about standards. I don't know about standards. I'm man-made standards. That's the new thing. Man-made standards versus God's standards. Here was what Paul told the church at Thessalonica. Abstain from all appearance of evil. He didn't say abstain from evil. That's a pretty high standard. Abstain from all evil would be a high standard to shoot for. Can I get a witness? I mean, we would all have our work cut out for us if he'd have just said abstain from evil. But he didn't. He raised the bar and said abstain from all appearance of evil. If it even looks like it might be wrong, don't do it. Well, oh my goodness, that's pretty strong. But I tell you what you do. You have that conversation with the average so-called Christian and find out what they consider evil and you're going to find out what I'm talking about tonight. Well, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Well, see, you don't have the mind of the Spirit. If there's nothing wrong with that, there's nothing wrong with that, and there's nothing wrong with that, even though it violates a half a dozen Bible verses, you don't need to be the one searching your heart. You're going to give yourself a hall pass on every single one of them. The perspective is, He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of Christ because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God, not the will of man. Number three, we see the precision of the searching. The precision of the searching. Can I tell you this? God knows how to perform open heart surgery with some very precise tools. Now I know sometimes it feels like he's performing heart surgery with a Husqvarna chainsaw but that's only because you're fighting. Come on, y'all. Some jobs require a pressure washer. (laughs) I'm gonna give you a Bible for this. Hebrews 4, you gotta see this. Hebrews 4, let's let's close with this. Hebrews chapter number four. God will use the preaching of the word of God next week as he does every time we have church to cut through and get down to the real heart of the problem. Hebrews 4, verse 12. If you're there, say amen. Amen. For the word of God is quick. The word of God is quick. That means it's alive. Word of God is quick. Just show of hands. I'm curious. Has anybody ever sat through church during a message and thought, the pastor's got a camera, hidden camera in my living room. He's videoing our family. Can you raise your hand? I have had women get mad at their husbands, thinking he texted me and told me something they said or did on the way to church. Can't believe he told you that. What are you talking about? You know, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yes, you do. Y'all ganged up on me. Ma'am, I don't know what you're talking about. You was preaching to me. Well, I was preaching to everybody, first of all. But if you didn't want to be preached to, you shouldn't have come start start with. I was preaching to you, but I wasn't preaching just to you. But let's back this train up. Did it ever occur to you that the word of God is quick? It's alive. It's quick and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And of the joints and the marrow. The marrow is inside the bones. Y'all remember that, right? I mean, we're not talking about paper cuts here. Okay. We're talking about open heart surgery. But he goes past that and the Bible says is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God will not only discern what you're doing, it will discern what you're thinking and why you're thinking it. Now you can say what you want to, ain't none of us in here spiritual enough to perform that kind of searching on our heart. We need God to do that. God will take what you're doing, your life, your thought life, your intentions, your agenda and everything and lay it right out on the operating table and say, all right, hand me, the, hand me the pliers or whatever tool it is, hand it over here. And he'll start cutting stuff away during the preaching. The invitation is for you to get down here and say thank you Lord for showing me that. That's what the invitation's for. The work, the surgical work is done through the working of the Holy Spirit through the preaching of his word. And he goes on down to verse number 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Nothing's hidden. Nothing's hidden. Let me tell you how to have Revival. Listen to me carefully. Here's how you have revival. Go into the revival and say, God, I want you to search my heart. There's things in there that even I don't know about. Now, there's things in there you do know about. There's things in there that you're wrestling with, fighting God about, refusing to submit to God about, trying to cover up, trying to hide, trying to excuse. You're the special little child that don't have to follow the rules of God like everybody else. And you can do this and this and this, even though nobody else can, but you can. You know what I'm talking about. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the stuff in there that even you don't know about. And God is able to reveal it through the preaching of his word, through the working of the Holy Spirit. I, the Lord, search the heart. Here's how you have revival. Come to revival and say, Lord, do what you got to do. Fix whatever needs to be fixed. Point it out. Show me. If you'll show me, I'll confess it. If you'll show me, I'll do my best to forsake it. Lord, if you find it in my heart, please, I want my heart to be right. I want my heart to be clean. I want my heart to be pure. And I promise you, you'll have a tremendous revival. Don't worry about what anybody else does. Don't be worried about what your family does. Don't be worried about what anybody in the church does. You come to the revival next week and say, Lord, search my heart. Lord, you search my heart, try my reins, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And I can promise you tonight, God will do just that. With heads bowed and eyes closed, musicians are coming, altars open. By the way, this is this is some way this is the way we ought to live every day, not just when we have revival, but definitely. Definitely when we're having revival, Brother Ingram's not bringing a revival up here in his luggage. He's not going to get up here on this platform with a box and unwrap it and pass it out to you. It's going to be God doing a work in your heart and you letting him, you allowing him. And then having the spirituality to submit to whatever he says. when he runs his diagnostic and hands you a prescription saying thank you Lord I'm going to take the medicine I'm going to let you draw me closer to you I'm going to let you conform me more into your image